What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today we have a very special episode with former first-team All-American at Arizona State and NFL running back for the Detroit Lions and now head football coach for Wall Lake Northern High School, Terry Battle. How are you doing today, Terry? I'm doing well. Thank you guys uh, for having me on today. Um, it's a privilege to be able to get on here and uh, talk with you guys for, for a moment. So, awesome. Of course, of course. And let's get right into your playing career at Arizona State. And first thing we ask is, what was the most anticipated game when you were at Arizona State? The most anticipated game was probably uh, the very first one when I uh, was a true freshman and was asked to play right away, um, you know. So that was a very much anticipated game, not knowing what to expect and just playing in, in front of a large crowd. Um, our stadium at that point uh, sat probably about 79,000. Uh, people and so uh, at that point in time though we weren't selling out so it was probably about 45,000 but that's more than any high school uh, game that I ever played in so that was the most uh, anticipated game for me. Sorry did you have any like rivalry games that uh, you were looking forward to while you played? Well the the, the ones that stand out to me obviously um, being a Sun Devil was the games we played against the University of Arizona. And that game usually took place uh, the day after Thanksgiving. And so those games right there, I played in three of them uh, and only was successful in one out of those three. And that was the year we went to the Rose Bowl my junior year. But the first two, um, very close games. I think my first year we lost 28-27 down at their place. Um, the following year, my sophomore year, we lost 31 to 28, last second field goal. And so it felt really good my junior year when we went undefeated and played uh, at their home. And we beat them, uh, I believe, 56 to 14. So I ended my playing career at Arizona State on top of my uh, crosstown rivalry. And, uh, and that felt good. So obviously you're an Arizona State Sun Devil for life with being Absolutely. an All-American there. So how does, how does yourself and even your teammates stay connected with the Arizona State football program? Uh, you know, we have a really good, um, uh, I wouldn't call a booster club and a, a contact by the name of Kevin Minifield, um, you know, that we just had a Zoom meeting yesterday, uh, just kind of keeping us abreast of what's going on in the program and things like that. Um, but, you know, they always send out great correspondence and then we always have an annual um, spring event that we do where they welcome back former players and, you know, the whole uh, golf outings and things like that just to continue to build camaraderie and, and to catch up with one another. So we obviously know you were one of a select few who were able to play in the NFL. So what was that transition like coming from college to the NFL? Well, it, it was a big time transition. Uh, for one, for me, I left a year early. Um, and so uh, I didn't have a chance to red shirt. So I went and got drafted uh, two months after I turned 21 years old. So I was, I was in for a rude awakening to just kind of realize what um, the expectations were um, at that level now being paid and, uh, 
you know, everything that comes with that, with training camp at that time being uh, for, for a month of, you know, in three weeks of two a days, um, just that expectation physically and then uh, mentally just to stay strong through like little nagging injuries and things like that, where, you know, um, can have a significant impact if you continue to get injured and things like that. So just really taking care of your body is very important, getting your rest. Um, but it was definitely a, a very different change, um, but one that I welcomed, but one that I wasn't um, really prepared for initially. So speaking about being drafted, so you were drafted in the seventh round by the Lions, and this year in the 2020 NFL draft, uh, an Arizona State Sun Devil running back was selected in Eno Benjamin. So right. with him being the single season rushing leader and you being a first team All-American, both at Arizona State, how can you guys relate, especially with all the accolades in college and still having been drafted in the seventh round? Yeah, you know, um, I did an article um, about that same scenario right after the draft. And, um, you know, what I, what, I, what I mentioned was that, you know, as a player, you can only control what you can control, uh, meaning, you know, the draft, no matter what your accolades are in college or what you've done in college, um, you still have an opportunity to, to put your best foot forward um, every chance you get um, in front of the uh, NFL personnel, you know, in the organization, people who's making the decision. So, you know, it was a shock for me to go in the seventh round. And I know it was pretty much a shock for Eno because I can, I can tell you that, you know, not uh, – or if we anticipated getting drafted in the seventh round, I don't think neither one of us would have came out early. Um, but at this point, the message is just to go in there, make sure you're in shape, uh, make sure you study your playbook, and when your number is called, you got to be prepared to go out there and perform. And everything else will take care of itself. So what was the moment like, obviously being one of the select players to get drafted, to hear your name being called by the commissioner? Um, it felt good. Um, it really did. You know, that was something that I, I had worked very hard for and dreams and goals that I've set for myself at early age of eight years old. Um, and just finally seeing that, you know, that opportunity uh, present itself when I did hear my name called. I was still very um, fortunate and blessed to, to have that happen. <clears throat> so being able to play in the NFL and the XFL, what would you say the biggest difference between the two are? Well, you know, when they rolled out the XFL, um, you know, there was a lot of things that were different than the NFL. Uh, for one, the coin flip. You know, we didn't have a traditional coin flip. Um, it was more or less we selected uh, one player from each team, they started at the goal line and they would have to sprint, I would leave 40 yards. And the first person who picked up the ball successfully was the team that had the, the choice to either receive it or kick it. Um, the other thing that uh, in the XFL, they had kind of like arena football. I don't know if you've ever seen it where you can go in motion behind the whole formation and start running toward the line of scrimmage. Um, so that was a little bit different as well, but I can tell you, um, the competition level, um, obviously is, is much more greater in the, um, in the NFL as opposed to the XFL. But I, I did tell a lot of people, 
when they asked me to reflect on it, that the XFL had better competition than NFL Europe um, when I played over there. So it's definitely a tiered uh, system for a reason. You know, you get the best players in the, in, uh, in the NFL. And then after that, you know, you still have some great quality players, but they're not playing at the level uh, that the NFL players are playing at, for sure. And neither is the – and the checks are not – as uh, big as as the NFL either. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, at the time, the NFL was a bigger business and still is. The NFL is the biggest uh, American football business there is. But uh, absolutely, with the XFL and those new rules you were saying that were different from the NFL, did you find yourself having a little bit of a hard time, uh, like, uh, getting into those new rules and learning those new rules? Well, not really, because those rules, um, as they apply, really didn't apply to my position as a running back. Um, my coach didn't ask me to go in motion a whole bunch um, toward the line of scrimmage, uh, nor did I have to run out and grab the ball. So uh, I was very fortunate in, in that manner. Um, but, you know, it was a great time. Um, got a chance to catch up with a lot of my former teammates that also played in that league. Um, so it was, it was great. So we know you were drafted by the Detroit Lions. And uh, when you got there, Barry Sanders was uh, the starting running back at the time. So did you have uh, uh, any experiences or, like, what was it like just having an all-time legend in Barry Sanders uh, on the roster at the time? Yeah, well, it was uh, bittersweet, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and I, I talked about this a little bit when I – accepted the head coaching job at uh, Northern High School. Uh, Barry was a great mentor, um, a very humble guy, um, a guy that would, you know, answer any question that you may have as a rookie um, or, you know, a second-year player. Um, so a guy that I really looked up to and, and kind of watched how he went about his preparation um, and how he prepared for the season and things like that. So I tried to take as much as I could from him in those two years that I was around him. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, you you really sitting in a room with a Hall of Fame running back, and you know that your opportunities are going to be uh, limited at that point. So bittersweet. Yeah, but do you think uh, you took, like, any pieces of advice from Barry Sanders or just looking at his game while you were at practice with him or looking at him while he was playing the games? Do you think that might have gave you or made you a better player with that, just watching him play? Yeah, just watching him play, um, seeing how he studied film, uh, anything that, you know, we could identify that the defense would, would kind of show their hand or think keys, we call it that we could pick up from a linebacker or, you know, how the safeties would try to rotate and come down, just paying attention to corner blitzes, things like that. But one story that I always tell people my rookie year in, in, in training camp, I asked Barry, I said, is there anything that you could share with me? Um, and he said, how often do you stretch? And I was thinking, like, all the – information that he could have gave me at that point he asked me how much do do I stretch um and so I, I thought that that was very uh unique but what I took from that was you know you have to be able to have your body hit um in different positions and and you know and so you have to be flexible otherwise the injury um 
rate increases if you're not as flexible. So that's what I took from, from that conversation that day. And when he said, man, I really love, like your running style, I was like, thank you. Thank you. You know, com coming from a Hall of Famer, that was great. <laughs> uh, so obviously an unexpected retirement from Barry Sanders. Were you one of the exclusive people that kind of knew in advance or just, no. just the team's front office? Right, yeah. I, I, I wasn't uh, obviously privy to that information because the ironic thing is Barry retired uh, it would have been my year three there, but I was only there for two years. So Barry played another three years and then he abruptly retired. Um, and I was only in Detroit for two years. Um, so I, I wasn't privy to that information and how everything came out, uh, you know, was, was, was quite shocking, but you know, that's one thing that Barry, um, you know, he's always about the game, not, taking advantage of him and that he would walk away when he felt like he had enough of the game. And a lot of players, you know, think the opposite. They want to hold on as long as they can, um, you know. And one thing I admire about Barry is that he could have been the all-time leading rusher um, had he played another four or five years. But those types of things wasn't important to him. And so I really respect him and admire him for uh, being able to to uh, have a successful career and then call it quits on his own terms. So it was great. Let's move a little to what you do now. And what attracted you to coaching after your playing career? Well, initially, I, I wasn't uh, interested in coaching, to be quite honest with you. I spent a lot of time talking to my offensive coordinator at Arizona State. And, uh, you know, he would always tell me about the long hours as college coaches would keep, right? So they would report at 6 a.m. in the morning and get out of the building by 11 p.m. at night and have to do that day in and day out. So initially, when I first got out of football, I was just raising my family. I had a, a daughter who is now uh, about to be 21 next month and um, a 17-year-old son. So I was more focused on being there for them um, as a father and, 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 and things like that and started coaching my son in Pop Warner. He played for about three years. And it, the story has it is um, one of the high schools, okay, that the Pop Warner team would feed into. Um, the head coach found out that I was out there and who I was. And so he had followed my career. And he said, you know what, after your football season, uh, come and see me. I have a job for you next year. And um, so, you know, after I finished the season, I went and, and spoke to him, or actually he asked me to speak to his, his team. And so I spoke to his team, and some of the things I've taken from my college and my pro career was three things that stand out to me. Uh, number one is your character and how you conduct yourself, uh, making good decisions. Uh, two is your academics, because without your academics, then football is irrelevant. You can't play in college. Uh, you can't play in high school. Uh, and then third thing was hard work. So I, I talked to the team about those three things. Um, and I, apparently the coach loved it. And I started coaching at that point. And that was in 2013. And I retired in 2002. Um, so that's kind of what 
what uh, happened as far as me getting into coaching. And then one thing led to another. I've coached in high school out in Arizona. I coached at a junior college out in Arizona. Then I moved here four years ago and was coaching at Detroit Mumford <clears throat> for two years, took a year off. And uh, last year I coached at Cranbrook, Kingswood. And, and so, uh, yeah, I got introduced to um, the people, the, the powers to be at Northern and interviewed and, and here we are. So wasn't even looking for a head coaching job, but you know, um, you know, the higher power has a, a way of kind of directing your path for you when you're making good choices and, and things like surrounding yourself with positive people. Yes. Yeah, speaking of Wald Lake Northern, did you see anything in that program that led you to take the job there? Uh, absolutely. You know, one thing that stood out to me, obviously, is like the importance of academics, as I've talked about. And I know that Northern finishes in the top 10 uh, schools academically in the state of Michigan every year. Um, so that attracted me, attracted me to the program. Um, also, um, I was teaching with um, Kyle Arnaldi's mom. I don't know if you, you know that name, but he's the guy who just signed a Division I scholarship offer to Western Michigan. Um, and he, since the school has opened in 2003, he's the first player this past year um, to, to have that opportunity to, to advance his, his playing career um, and, and to obtain a college education. Um, and so I know that the talent is there, um, but it just needed to be cultivated. And I think that for me, I'm always looking for a challenge. I wouldn't like to go and inherit a team that's already, you know, a dominant powerhouse. I, I'm in the, in the, in the business to kind of change um, the program and then to leave my mark on the program. So. So being hired as the new head coach in January at Wald Lake Northern, how difficult has it been keeping in touch and staying in touch uh, with your new players, especially uh, since it's been remote because of COVID-19? Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's a different uh, way of going about learning. Obviously you have the classroom um, sessions. Um, if it's, it wasn't due to the pandemic. Um, I had about three weeks to work with the guys back in March during our strength and conditioning program. And then everything closed. So, for the last eight weeks, um, we were meeting virtually with Zoom meetings. And then uh, this week, fortunately for us, our district uh, went ahead and allowed us to start our off-season um, in-contact strength and conditioning program. So it's been great. Um, this last four days, um, we worked. We worked our tails off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and thir uh, Thursday. And then uh, we're on our dead period right now for a week and then we'll we'll come back and we'll get right back at it and obviously ramp it up even more um, this week was just to to see the guys in person see how they moved um, around uh, how they ran routes uh, see how they were um, buying into the culture that I'm establishing um, moving forward and it was great you know the guys are really motivated and uh, gave me a bunch of high fives yesterday, air high fives, and uh, looking forward to uh, getting started back on July 7th. So it's been great. 
obviously you came in to some upperclassmen that have played before you actually came in as a coaching role. So has there, has they told any stories about previous years that you should look out for? Or? Well, well, you obviously, I, I, I won't go into any details, but yes, um, during the interviewing process with the administration that, you know, they had concerns. Um, and then just to talk a little bit about my process, once I got hired, I, I then interviewed about 25, uh, players, right, to get their perspective, not just from the administration, but then, so I got 25 players' perspective. There were guys that were seniors this this past year, um, and then some underclassmen. So I took all of that information and kind of put together a plan on how I wanted to proceed um, with my program and uh, outlining my expectations and things like that. So, um, so yeah, you definitely hear, hear the things and the finger pointing on why they felt the season wasn't a success last year. Um, with 24 seniors, they went four, or actually they went three and six last year, which is one of their worst seasons in, in quite a while. But over the last uh, four years, they've only won four games every year. And so that's, that's another thing that that attracted me to um, the program was to build a program from the ground up and um, leave, leave my mark on that. So. Do you think there's a new excitement and like new energy and new feel around the team with a new coach coming in and you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel it from, from the administration. I feel it from our parents. I definitely feel it from the players and my coaches. Um, on, you know, and just this week I had a coach tell me, hey, coach, I really like what you're doing around here. He said things are organized. You're holding the players accountable. You communicate not only to your varsity coaches, but you communicate to the coaches all throughout the program. And um, that's, that's my role as a leader. You know, uh, when, when I took over the job, they said you have freshmen, JV and varsity. Um, this is your program. Um, and so we're turning over the keys to you and you let us know what you need and we'll make sure you get it. But I've definitely got a lot of positive feedback and that's been since I've taken over. Um, so it's been really good and I'm very excited to be the head coach at Wall Lake Northern. How did you keep your team conditioned and in the right shape during the quarantine, not being able to run plays or even get in contact at all? Well, Honestly, we would we would post different uh, workouts on Zoom, um, and so the guys really, I tell them, you know, it has to be intrinsic motivation because it, you know you don't have coaches during the the um, during the pandemic where everything was closed down to be you know be on you or to see actually what you're doing. So, and I think that that that's where it really starts. Um, you know, a lot of players, they don't understand from an intrinsic standpoint what motivates a player who makes it to the pros, right? So a player who plays uh, in the pros or they go to college uh, and they have a lot, a great deal of success, it's all intrinsic motivation. Like you want to be successful. And so you have to understand what it takes um, to, to hold yourself accountable when coaches are not around if you really have a passion and desire 
to play professionally or play in college. And so, um, so that's, that was my message to the players. And so um, obviously this week uh, we started with the strength and conditioning program. And I tell you what, I had not one guy quit um, during the conditioning period. So that was, that was great. Are we where we want to be from a condition standpoint? No, but I think that they weren't just sitting around on the couch and they were able to do some things to put them uh, in somewhat of shape so they could make it through these four days, which was really, really a telltale sign that they had been working. So I was really proud of them for that. And with that, I think this would be a good time to wrap up tonight's podcast. But before we do, we really want to thank Terry for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And you guys can go check him out next year at Wald Lake Northern High School for his upcoming football season. We would also like to thank everyone for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and download this podcast. And we'll see you guys next time on the Last Take Sports Podcast.